So um, this morning, the scripture will be interwoven with uh, the sermon text as we spend some time this morning with this one Moses. So let us pray. God, thank you for continuing to be a peaceful presence with us this morning, for music, for word that opens us. Now unfold your story in our lives, reveal to us this day what it means for us to be all in, to accept your uh, presence every day, and to move forward as Moses did with a yes. Amen. It's been a while since we have spent any time in worship listening to or reflecting on our Hebrew text, what uh, Christians has, have for a long time called the Old Testament. Uh, Genesis, the first book of the Bible, is the story of beginnings, of creation, of Abraham and Sarah, of Jacob and Rachel, of Joseph and his life in Egypt, the land where his family finds refuge when there is famine in their land. So we, we need to have a little bit of background about what has happened before we find out a little bit more about this one, again, this one, Moses. So Exodus chapter 1, verses uh, 6 through 10 tell us this. So, so Genesis, I remind you, ends with Joseph and his death. And we're told then Joseph died and all his brothers and that whole generation. But the Israelites were fruitful and prolific and they multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them and this is Egypt. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. See, because Joseph had this powerful and wonderful relationship with this prior uh, pharaoh. But now there is this new pharaoh, and he said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event, in the event of a war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from this land. Hmm. Not the first or last time that we will hear the story of a of a ruler, of a leader, who is afraid of another group or another person getting power. So um, how does this pharaoh, this king, take on this task? We're told as the story unfolds it. First he tries to, to kill off the, the uh, Israelites, the Hebrew slaves, with hard work. And then in a story that is just so powerful that it, it could exist completely on his own. Um, the Pharaoh tells the midwives, the Pharaoh tells the midwives, the ones who are responsible and caring and assisting in the birth of a new life. He tells them that, that when you see that a Hebrew woman is to give birth and gives birth to a son, then you kill that child at birth, right? And we, and we hear our Gabe. <laughs> I want us to take in the real sorrow and tragedy of that story. 
But then we're told there are two women and they're given, and they're, we're told their names, which is so rare in all of scripture. We're told that it was Shifron Puah said no. And they were conniving. And they allowed, uh, they went and told the Pharaoh, well, you know what? These, these women, they give birth before, uh, before we're even there. They're so strong. But that, of course, doesn't end the story. Uh, the Pharaoh will not be convinced to, uh, will not be won over to grace and mercy. Uh, he uh, comes up with another plan. And this is that for the newborn uh, boys to be thrown into the river. Hmm. Same horror, really, that we hear at the time of Jesus' birth when King Herod then sought to uh, destroy the lives of whole families through the death of a child. So what happens, and this is for those of us who had grown up in Sunday school classes where we heard a lot about Moses and the bulrushes, um, Moses' mom wants to protect him, right? Of course, like any of us, moms or dads would. She wants to protect him. And so in this basket that is water, you know, waterproof, water resistant, whatever they did to him, she places Moses in this basket, Moses in the bulrushes. And his sister is to watch over him. And while she's watching over him um, and making sure he's cared for, the Pharaoh's daughter discovers Moses. And in this interchange, which is quite wonderful, between the sister and uh, the mother and the Pharaoh's daughter, uh, Moses is taken into the Pharaoh's house and his mother goes with him to provide care and nurture. It kind of ends that part of the story. Until we find out only 11 verses into chapter 2, that Moses has grown up. So he is a Hebrew, raised in the house of the Pharaoh. But, uh, verse 11 of chapter 2 tells us this. One day after Moses had grown up, so we have no, no, no story about the in-between time, just as uh, with Jesus. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and he saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his kinsfolk. Moses looked this way and that, and seeing no one, Moses killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. This is part of the story I didn't tell the kids, right? When he went out the next day, Moses saw two Hebrews fighting, and he said to the one who was in the wrong, why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? He answered, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and he settled in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Right? Moses. Moses is on a, uh, he's kind of on the lamb. He's on the run. He is now a fugitive from his own land. And as you heard me tell the kids' story, we know, some of us know that story about Moses now out. Uh, he's tending the sheep of his father-in-law, uh, Jethro. He's out tending the flock. And uh, what happens? There is the story of the burning bush. This occurs right, you know, 
you've got to assume that Moses thought pretty much his life was, I don't know, over, but um, definitely life in Egypt was over. He could never go back. He must have wondered what would God have to do with him anyway. But we find out that God has actually been paying close attention, not just to Moses, but to the Israelites. Verse 23 um, of chapter 2, it says, After a long time, the king of Egypt died, and the Israelites groaned under their slavery, and they cried out, and out of their slavery, their cry for help rose up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them, right? God heard them, he remembered the covenant, he looked upon them, he noticed them. All right, so what's that got to do with Moses? Well, what it has to do with Moses is what, again, what you heard in the children's sermon. Uh, God calls out to Moses from the burning bush. As Moses draws close to this burning bush, God identifies God's self and says, I am the God of your father. And we would add mother. This, I know who you are, Moses. I know you're a Hebrew. I know you're an Israelite. I know your family. I know the covenant that I made with them. And I've come down to deliver them. Right? This is God's word to Moses. I've come down to deliver them. And you are the one I'm going to send to Pharaoh. And Moses says, who am I? But we would translate that, why me? Right? Why me, God? There's got to be somebody else to do it. And these, um, God's answer is, I'll be with you. It doesn't matter. I'll be with you. And the rest of chapter 3 and a good part of chapter 4 is Moses arguing with God. Moses <laughs> arguing with God about why, in fact, he's not the one. Um, he says, uh, you know, I don't think the people are going to believe me when I tell them that. And then he has, uh, he's got this really good argument that he's not very good at public speaking. And so if he's going to lead the people, you really should have someone <laughs> with a little more charisma, you know, and a, he, he stutters maybe. And in his final plea, in verse uh, 13 of chapter 4, Moses says, Oh Lord, please send someone else. Have you ever felt like that? <laughs> some head nods, some good head nods here. Doesn't matter whether it's a personal situation, a family, a friend, out in the community, in the church, in an organization. Oh, please, Lord, send someone else. I so appreciate Moses' honesty here, and I so appreciate God's response. Because pretty much, as scripture tells us, God says, all right, enough. I'm sick of this. It even says God's anger is like enraged. He's like enraged. All right, you still have to go, but you can take your brother Aaron with you. But Aaron will be with you. Because what we hear is that Aaron is really good at public speaking. And so that together, and what we'll find out is their sister Miriam, who had watched over Moses as a baby, will also go. This is truly one of, if not the best, 
call story in the Bible. I find myself touched by Moses' honesty and humbleness. He is no flashy politician making big campaign promises. He's not like, send me, I'll be great. He's completely on the other side. And I also am so drawn in by God's persistence with Moses, a love that will not let him go. In God's response, and then we'll see it lived out in, you know, so many ways, God's response, I will always be with you. I will always be with you. We hear this throughout scripture. I will always be with you. You are not alone. And so Moses does go back to Egypt. He goes with Aaron. And again, we are assuming Miriam because she shows up later in the story. And there is this famous verse, I consider a famous verse from chapter 5. When um, they show up before the Pharaoh and say, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go. So before Moses was all in on this story, God was all in, right? God was all in from the beginning. And that allowed Moses and then Aaron and Miriam and the people to be in. That was God's promise to Moses in the call. He doesn't answer really all of Moses' questions. He just keeps, God just keeps reaffirming, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. And that's God's promise to us. That's God's promise to us. 